0: So there's all this focus about what the Republicans did wrong in this midterm elections. They didn't uh, hit it. Red wave, more like a red ripple. (laughs) They're very funny. These people are hilarious. They're going to open up for Carrot Top in Vegas any day now. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Everything at TonyKatz.Locals.com. Republicans didn't hit it the way they needed uh, to hit it. Republicans did not bring the victories the way they were supposed to bring the victories. And in the Senate, they didn't bring any victories. Let's say it again. They didn't bring any victories. And of course, just yesterday, Herschel Walker losing in the runoff election to Raphael Warnock. Now, he didn't lose huge. He didn't lose by 100 points or by 10 points. He lost by what? Two or three points. So it's it wasn't or is it this conversation of candidate quality? But there's something else going on. Which is Democrats taking a look at House races where they clearly did not bring it home. Look what happened in New York. Look what happened in California. Two states that made it possible for Republicans to keep the House of Representatives. I should say take back the House of Representatives. And now a conversation about what is it that 2024 looks like? Because all eyes are ahead and how do democrats ensure that they're able to keep power they're think in in my view they're trying to learn the lesson of what they'll call trump and not go about bringing about the worst of what their party has to offer and the worst are the socialists are the progressives who did extremely well in these midterms Noah Rothman joins us right now he is from commentary magazine commentary.org is where you find his work and you've written about that part of it by victories undone you can find that at commentary.org but first let's go back to this conversation about Herschel Walker you have been um i'm I'm not gonna say it rudely i'm just saying it directly very critical of trump has not brought about victories you've been you've been clear on on this subject is this the as we see what happened in the senate is this the fault of trump or is this the fault of the republican party
1: uh i think it's very difficult to make the case that there's some, the institutional GOP is responsible for this. Save, I suppose you could make the case that their passivity in 2022 is responsible in some small measure for the failure of the candidates that were handpicked by Donald Trump and who all of them, to a man, came up short. Uh, in 2020, in 2014, for example, the Republican, institutional Republican Party had learned the lessons of 2010 that it was their responsibility to engage early and actively in order to ensure equitable and successful outcomes. Uh, One springs to mind was this backroom deal that was done uh, by Mitch McConnell and forces loyal to Mitch McConnell in Colorado, where they convinced Ken Buck, who had lost a 2010 Senate election, to Michael Bennett to back off, run for a House seat, clear the path for Cory Gardner. Cory Gardner won the Colorado Senate seat. Incidentally, the last time a Republican held a Colorado Senate seat. In 2022, the deck was stacked against the institutionalists and the GOP. They backed off and let the the MAGA wing and Trump candidates have the run of the place. And we see how that turned out. There's a comforting narrative that I saw uh, articulated by Laura Ingram on Fox News Channel last night, which is that the Republican Party in in the runoff was outspent three to one. And she pressed her guests to explain why that happened, none of whom did. If they had explained what happened, they would have noted that Herschel Walker was left for dead by Donald Trump, Donald Trump-aligned PACs, even um, Senator uh, uh, Scott's um, NRSC, the National Republican Campaign Committee, put no, almost no money into this race. What um, who did was Mitch McConnell's Senate leadership PAC. They dumped $18 million, likely throwing good money after bad, but only to stave off this very familiar, very cathartic and comforting narrative that... Uh, They have no complicity and share no responsibility for these bad outcomes. It is not a failure of judgment on their part. This is all done to them. They are passive participants in the universe, just kind of existing and being buffeted by events. Um, That is a narrative that I hope is combated early, often, and very vocally by the party's institutionalists with a vested interest in actually winning elections. I haven't seen it yet, but if they allow that narrative to fester, it could most certainly become the dominant narrative on the insurgent right, which would ensure that the very same problems that plague the party this year continue to plague it in two years from now.
0: Now it's funny that clip got got shared around. It was uh, Kellyanne Conway, uh, former uh, a Trump uh, campaign manager, and it was uh, Molly Hemingway, uh, uh, who uh, writes with with the Federalist and ha- is often on point and and, and on target, uh, but certainly uh, more uh, in 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 the rough and tumble kind of fields. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm just trying to best explain her positioning. Uh, the the money conversation is always one that comes up and you're bringing up, I think something valuable that it's going to come up as look what Mitch McConnell did. Look how he abandoned this person. But people discuss this about Blake masters in Arizona, but the number was like $6 million. And that money went to uh, some other races in other cases, but the money from his pack was indeed spent. I mean, I think Mitch McConnell has issues, but the money did get spent and, your concern is interesting that if you don't have an honesty about who's been spending the money, how the money got spent, and that it was indeed spent, you're going to have a continuation of this because the, poli- the, the, the MAGA right will latch on to this as the only reason there were losses.
1: It's an excuse. It's a facile and unconvincing excuse. The best actor in the universe cannot make a bad script Good. Uh, There's a reason why Blake Masters underperformed every Republican in his state. There's a reason why Herschel Walker was the only Republican on a statewide ballot to lose in Georgia. And it's not because there was insufficient funding. These candidates were bad. They did not appeal to their voters. They did not appeal to swing voters. They really energized a particularly unrepresentative faction within the Republican firmament, not the Republican Party, a faction within it and that faction does not have popular support and until that really simple reality is confronted by the people who are doing a lot of cheerleading for this for this wing of the party it will continue to happen
0: what i think is is interesting is that it, it, people are going to be angry at you they're going to be angry at me for having you on the air they're going to be angry at you for being a, a, a never trumper that's how it's going to get described But I think within what you're saying, there's a there's a second look and it got uh, exemplified or or, or vocalized by Van Jones yesterday on CNN, where he was thanking Donald Trump for the Georgia victory. There is this insanely curious uh, acknowledgement and tip of the hat coming from the political left that says, you know, if these uh, Republicans uh, go against Trump uh, endorsed candidates next time, we lose everywhere. That is the endorsement they've been making in state after state. Am I wrong?
1: No, I don't think you're wrong. Um, And there's a reason why in 2022 was the first time in almost a century that the the Democrats, the party in power, which is the Democratic Party, managed to hold on to every single incumbent seat since the first time since 1934. It's the reason why 2022 joins a very short list of, uh, of midterm elections in which the party in power managed to stave off the midterm curse. There are more Democrats in this country than Republicans. Hate to tell you, everybody, everybody's really frustrated at me for telling you this. There are more of them than you. You have to learn how to appeal to some of them, how to shave off persuadable voters. Being the most recalcitrant, most obnoxious, most demagogic person in the room doesn't do it, doesn't work for you, hasn't been working for three consecutive cycles. A fourth would be the very definition of insanity. Continue to do precisely what you've been doing, expect different results. Uh, That's not on me. You wanna make that choice, God bless you. But the outcomes are predictable at this stage and yelling at the person who predicts them probably isn't the most productive use of your
0: time. Talking to Noah Rothman from Commentary Magazine, Commentary.org. His book, The Rise of the New Puritans Fighting Back Against Progressives' War on Fun. That's available at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. You can get the audiobook as well. Shamefully, I did not read the audiobook. He did his own. Savage that you are, Noah Rothman. Let's get to your piece over there at Commentary.org by Victories Undone. Because it's, as I discuss, Democrats giving this tip of the hat. They are taking a look at some of their own inner demons and the their own problems and their problems are, as I view it, uh, the progressives that will keep them from being seen as rational and they are the ones who are actually extreme. Extreme is the buzzword of 2020, no matter what anybody says. Extreme this, extreme that, extreme the other. And this is starting to take shape with Joe Biden and the team saying, hey, we need to have South Carolina as the first state, the first primary in the nation, because what we have to do is ensure that we have a more representative view of who the candidates are from a more diverse group of people because if we rely on just Iowa and New Hampshire, well, that's racist. I mean, in the end, that's how it's it's playing out. You make uh, the the argument here. You're discussing this, and... and um, I, I think if if I understand you, uh, you're trying to say that this the entire purpose here, the entire strategy here, is to keep Bernie Sanders from being the nominee.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't know if that's been explicitly said, but it is certainly implicit in the reforms to the calendar that the Democratic Party is trying to promote here, or at least the Biden White House is trying to promote the DNC voted for, um, so... First, the Democrats are doing some interesting things. They're trying to monkey around with the primary calendar. You have uh, really you know, geriatric Democratic leadership voluntarily jumping onto the ice flow and sending themselves out to sea. Um, that's sort of that's a healthy uh, in- institutional response to political challenges, even as they're, they're winning elections. So it's um, it sends interesting signals and suggests that there is some uh, a desire for experimentation that isn't present on the Republican right. Um, One thing, however, though, that this plan seems to assume is that it can predict the future, and that never works out very well. Uh, Progressives are right, I think, to see this as punishment for the success that they've enjoyed in Iowa. Um, Progressives uh, in Iowa managed to, uh, they have this storied history of elevating candidates that don't have a lot of money, come from the outside and end up being powerhouses um, That's the, the narrative around Barack Obama's ascension, only one Iowa. In the interim in the last decade, they've turned in some really unrepresentative, poor performances. In 2020, they they just bit the dust, really embarrassing display. It took them 24 days to certify the results. Nobody could call it. The DNC chair called for a recanvass, And in the end, Iowa voters backed Pete Buttigieg, followed by Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Really unrepresentative result. And it's dominated, as progressives are wont to say, and as you said, by um, white affluent progressives um, who are not representative of the party. So say, all right, well, let's let's shake things up. Let's make sure South Carolina goes first, and then we'll placate New Hampshire and its state laws, it because it has to go first. They can do it with Nevada, and then we'll have Michigan, we'll have Georgia, we'll have a really representative Democratic Party, right? So fighting, this is fighting the last war, and when you fight the last war, you end up being surprised that it's not the last war. And I'm reminded of the degree to which the Republican National Committee engaged in a similar project after 2012 uh, with disastrous results. In 2012, Mitt Romney became the Republican presidential nominee after a very long and unnecessarily prolonged uh, primary race uh, in in which Republican Party voters ended up uh, giving a platform to Ron Paul, who uh, he won a lot of contests and merged with a lot of delegates, despite winning very few primary contests. And he was in this quaint period, the GOP's most embarrassingly fringe candidate. And so the party said, all right, let's make sure that doesn't happen again. So we're gonna shake up the calendar, we're gonna make sure that more moderate Northeastern states, coastal states go earlier in the year and we'll make sure that there are more winner-take-all contests so we don't have this prolonged delegate race. And then whoever the front runner is will emerge from the primary earlier than Mitt Romney got to, he can pivot to the general election in April or May, and we won't have the problems that we had in 2016. All of the conditions that the Republican Party incepted after 2012 benefited Donald Trump. His base was in the Northeast. He benefited from winner take all contests. He was the front runner. He had early momentum. And it ended up being a very prolonged race, in part because he couldn't win more than 30% of the Republican vote. So every problem that Republicans tried to solve with this shift ended up being exacerbated by the very conditions they'd imposed on the party. And you could say, see something like this happening to the progressive wing of the, Republic, of the Democratic Party. It's not impossible that you have a, uh, a very progressive uh, but likable candidate, a candidate of color who performs very well in these, in these early primary contests despite the opposition of the institutional Democratic Party. Uh, I don't, it's a failure of imagination not to foresee that outcome coming. So even all these changes, as interesting as they are and as healthy as they are, aren't necessarily going to have the the outcome that, that everybody in the party seems to want to think that they're gonna have. I don't know for sure, but you know, plans like these never survive first contact with actual voters.
0: But it, it I take a look at this while I still have got a couple of minutes with you, Noah. Um they, this is the objective here, as I see it, is they're seeing the progressive rise, the socialist rise, and they know that it's not popular with the wide swaths of America. So they have to eliminate the opportunities for those people on a nationwide basis so they bring about candidates that are more palatable to the totality. True or false?
1: I mean, true. Yeah, more palatable candidates, sure. And, and that's demonstrated, I suppose, by early momentum in these early primary states but you could foresee a scenario in which a uh, charismatic celebrity personality enticed by perhaps joe biden's uh self-evident decrepitude gets into the race and is very attractive to the voters uh prime democratic primary voters in south carolina and michigan and georgia that's totally foreseeable and maybe it's not you know to the to the appetite of the dnc or uh you know members of the democratic party establishment But there won't be anything they can do about it by the time such a candidate manages to merge victorious in the the early four states. Now, this whole plan may not even come to fruition. It faces a lot of opposition from the states that are going to lose the benefit of an early primary vote. And I'd be surprised, actually, if it comes to fruition as the DNC envisions it. But it's possible. And if it is possible, you can absolutely foresee a scenario in which the Democratic Party is undone by its very own attempt to modernize this process.
0: Noah Rothman is his name. Commentary.org is where you find him. His book, The Rise of the New Puritans, Fighting Back Against the Progressives, War on Fun. You find that at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. Noah, always a pleasure to have you with us. There is more to get to. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz.